0: Welcome to the Indy Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent. Today, we'll be chatting with a woman who works in a brothel as part of academic research. Elizabeth Thompson, my managing editor, is still out of town, but she'll be back next week to discuss issues with me. First, though, let's give a quick recap of some headlines this week from the Nevada Independent. Those recalls of Democratic state senators may finally be dead. They seem like Freddy Krueger, but the dream of Republicans taking control of the state Senate may finally have died. Republicans may yet appeal to the state Supreme Court, but that would be as fruitless as expecting that girl left alone in a dark room in a horror movie to survive. A new report from state utility regulators is causing quite a stir. Riley Snyder read the whole 100-page report. You know, it's good to have people to do that stuff for you when you're the editor. It raises all kinds of questions about energy re-regulation, which is causing apoplexy among those backing that energy choice ballot question. North Las Vegas King John Lee finished the coronation this week of his surrogate son to a job that pays, wait for it, a quarter million dollars. Ryan Juden, who already had one job created for him before he was allowed to force out the city manager, is obviously getting the new post only because he is Lee's former campaign manager and errand boy. Meanwhile, the council members sounded like the brainwashed soldiers in the Manchurian candidate, rotely praising Juden as the second coming. What a banana republic that place is. Finally, you should read our loose gray's deep dive into undocumented victims of the one October tragedy in Las Vegas and their struggles to get help. It's on both our Spanish and English pages, and it's well worth your time. As always, there's a lot more to check out on the news site, including our indie blog that has snippets of news you won't see anywhere else. That's the nevadaindependent.com. We we'll back in a moment with a sex worker who has a slightly different viewpoint than Jason Guanasso who's helping to run that petition to ban brothels. Stick around. Welcome back to Indie Matters, the podcast of the Nevada Independent. Our guest today is Christina Pereira. She has worked and does work in brothels as a way to get Research done and to experience the life as she's trying to get a Ph.D. in sociology. She's an instructor at UNLV, and as I said, she has a slightly different viewpoint on those petitions to ban brothels than our guest last week, Jason Guanasso, who's helping to write those. Christina, welcome to Indy Matters. Thank you for having me on. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, We'll get to your viewpoint on on what it would mean to ban brothels uh, in in these two counties and maybe in Nevada. But I'm sure people are interested. Uh, Give us just a short rundown of, of how you became a sex worker. You've worked in different aspects of the industry. You've been in pornography. You've, wor- you've worked in brothels. But you're not from Nevada. You haven't been here that long, right?
1: I've been here about five years now. I moved here from Connecticut. Welcome back to, to my
0: PhD in sociology. Correct. And so uh, my understanding from what I've read is that you you wanted to go live in a brothel uh, to do research uh, for for this uh, uh, doctorate that you're working on, but they said you you can live here, but you gotta work here too, is that what happened?
1: That is what happened. So I, I moved here after a master's in psychology in Connecticut and I started getting my doctorate in the same, but realized I was much more intrigued in research than in clinical work. And at the time I was a webcam girl, but nobody knew. And I was, what does that mean
0: in case people don't know what oh, webcam broke? Right.
1: So it's uh, what it sounds like. It's streaming live on different webcam sites, basically like amateur pornography. So um, the viewers tip you. They can get Skype shows, things like that. And I was doing that to help pay for my master's. And so I was very intrigued with the sex industry and particularly the stigma surrounding sex work. And I, since I saw the HBO Cat House show. I was about 19, I think, at the time. I was so intrigued with the Nevada brothels and always wanted to come out and check them out and and meet the women. I never imagined that I would work as one, but I moved to Nevada to pursue my PhD and and work with Dr. Barb Brentz, who studies the Nevada brothels. And very naively, I went to a couple of them in Pahrump, all dressed up with my books and everything, explaining that I was a PhD student and asked if I could live there and pay rent and interview the working girls. They said no, which I understand because who wants a researcher poking around their place of business, right? So then I went to Alien Cat House, which is owned by Dennis Hoff, and after some conversations with staff there and with him, they decided that I could do my research, but if I worked there as a working girl.
0: So, what was your reaction? I mean, you said you were a little naive when when you first came out sure, you had right. been a webcam girl. that's a big leap from being a webcam yes. girl to working uh in, in, in a brothel did was your first reaction no i'm not I'm not gonna do that because you actually mentioned, and I know you care a lot about this the stigma. did you feel the stigma yourself like oh, I don't want I don't want to become a a a prostitute. I mean a webcam girl is one thing. What was your reaction?
1: I didn't so much fear the stigma to be honest, I'd always. It might sound strange to some people, but I sort of fantasized about maybe being a prostitute when I saw Cat House. It was just intriguing to me, these women living really on the fringe of society, on television, not caring what anybody thought, making all this money. And I just thought it was really bold and daring. And Did you think it
0: had a glamour to it that maybe people didn't didn't recognize?
1: I think so. I think it had a certain glamour to it. And But what really intrigued me the most was just their lack of care. They're on TV. They're prostitutes and And they just don't care. they're they're living these fabulous lives. and and, of course, they're not all living fabulous lives. but as a, as a teenager, I'm watching this. I mean, I was almost twenty. I wasn't that young, but I just thought it was it was bold. It was daring. And I admired that. And a lot of them seemed to be really smart and taking all this money and leveraging it into real estate and other businesses. So they weren't what people typically think of as prostitutes, right? And so my reaction was was intrigue, but I was very nervous. I had never had sex for money. I had up until then, I had done a little bit of stripping, but I only lasted about a week in a strip club. It was not for me. I was not good at it. And um, I had never had sex for money. So I was nervous. I didn't know if I could do it. And I didn't know if the school would be okay with it. Which was the big thing? Is yeah, I noticed that you,
0: you wrote. You've you've written some first piece, person pieces. People can go on the internet and, re, and read them. Mm-hmm. But you basically said you had a talk with your advisor about whether uh, you should go and actually go through with this, become an actual sex worker, right. as opposed to observing. Sex work. Was 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 your advisor like, go for it, Christina, or like, wait a second, uh, I'm not sure we can condone that. What was the reaction?
1: No, she she pretty much said to go for it if I felt comfortable. But we did weigh the pros and cons of how might it affect my future career in academia? Of course, as we know, being a prostitute is is stigmatized. How would this affect future jobs, the way people view me? But uh, the my advisor and the school were pretty supportive of it. They said, you know, it's legal and no one has really studied it from the inside in this way. And it would be, it would be, very interesting, and it would be bold. And they told me if I was comfortable doing it, let's run it by the IRB board, you know, the ethics committee, and let's see if it gets approved. And if it does, go ahead and do it.
0: And so you went through that process. Yes. And uh, you started working at the brothel when?
1: It was, let's see, I believe December of 2014. I believe about four years ago.
0: And so let's let's talk about that that experience because I uh, it. it generally, I think people who talk about the lives of prostitutes, whether they're in brothels or not, are talking about it based on stereotypes, right? right? And, and and to some extent, the stigmas, but, but a lot of them uh, have the same impression. And we can talk about this. I don't know if you heard Jason Guanasso on this podcast or read his piece in The Independent. Okay, good. Because uh, his, his view of it is very different, uh, I, I would think, than, than, than what is seen on Cat House, certainly, right. and maybe what you live. So let's give people some, some, some insight into, into what your experience was like and what you think some of the misconceptions are that people have about life in a brothel, maybe misconceptions you had yourself before you
1: went there. Right. So I didn't really know what to expect. I had never been in a brothel. Uh, like I said, I had never worked as a prostitute. So I was nervous and I went in as a researcher, which means... I I had some ethical obligations to report on what I saw, to accurately report what I saw. You told them
0: you were going to be uh, taking notes. You told Dennis Hoff. You told the other women you were doing this.
1: Yes. So every woman that I interviewed, which to date has been 53 women, I had them sign a consent form to be audio recorded, to be interviewed. I told them all about the study. They, They full well knew. And so did Dennis. Everybody knew. There was nobody that was deceived, so everyone knew what I was doing there, taking notes. I would say none of with, them were
0: put off by it. They, they didn't say, uh, "Dennis, don't let her come in here. We don't want her spying on us." None of that happened.
1: Maybe it did, and I just never heard about it. I most of them were welcoming then, or, or they were okay. And I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by that. I mean, once in a while, there were girls that, you know, they were a little put off. And so what I would do is I would try to present myself first. Uh, You know, I wouldn't always tell people right away that, hey, can I interview you? You know, I would just try to be just another working girl. Hi, this is my name, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let them get to know me first and then ask them if I could interview them. So there was a little bit of resistance, but a lot less than you would think, a lot less than I thought that there would be.
0: So tell us, tell, tell us. I don't want to spoil your uh, your doctor. <laughs> yeah. but I don't. You can't do. I do everything here. But tell us a little bit about what the experience was like, because I think what, I think what, what is going to be the crux maybe of these uh, uh, attempts to ban mm-hmm. something that has been illegal in in Nevada for a long time, is to get past what. Uh, 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 the the uh, advocates of this are saying is an awful life for women that, that even getting into sex trafficking, which I'll right. ask you about in a minute. But these are these are women who are who are in a sad state. They're pathetic. They're they're consigned to this life because they can't get anything better. Uh, uh, give, give us some idea of how much of it was like what you saw on Cat House, and it looked like a glamorous life, and how much of it is is the more
1: dark picture that I just painted. So. Cat House is actually a pretty good representation of what it's like in a brothel, and, uh, and it surprised me because I think most reality shows probably aren't, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it, a basic day is like this. You have to be floor ready by 11 o'clock, so get up, shower, put on your lingerie. Uh, we, all, we do a lot of cooking together. It's a very familial atmosphere. I think particularly from my experience in the smaller brothels, so where I worked was only licensed for five women. So it was a small place, we'd cook breakfast together, there was a gym, workout in the morning, and then basically just hang out for the day, go swimming, go tanning, there's a hot tub in the backyard, eat lunch, I would do a lot of reading, homework, research, hang out in the parlor. I mean, it's it's kind of like being on vacation, to be honest. Um, I got a lot of good rest, I ate some great food, I did a lot of tanning, you know, I made great money. Um,
0: You know, some people are are listening to this now and and they're saying, come on, you're leaving out a a part of this. Sure. You had cooked together. You had fun together. You went to the gym and then you had sex with a bunch of strange men who paid you. Right.
1: Yes. And and so the job is obviously to have sex for money. And so the doorbell would ring. A gentleman or a couple would come in and there would be a lineup bell. So we'd hear the bell, we would all line up, and the gentleman or couple would would pick one of the ladies, give them a tour of the facility, and then negotiate services. And it was a job. To me, it was just a job. Um, It was providing a service, whether that be companionship, conversation, sex, usually all of the above, for a price that I set myself. And that's what I enjoyed about the brothel was – I set my own rates. I set my own boundaries. You could say yes or no to any client. The house never forces you to see somebody that you're not comfortable seeing. They don't tell you what to charge. They don't tell you what to do. And if they did, I would never have worked there. I would not be comfortable with that.
0: How much did you charge? Can you tell us?
1: Sure. So uh, it varied, right? So by by time, by activity. But anywhere, depending what the gentleman or couple wanted to do, from 700 to 2500 an hour. So it, there's quite a bit of variance there. It depended. Uh, some, That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried not to have intercourse for under 1000 I almost never did. I'm not going to say I never did. Some days were slow, but that was that was sort of my minimum. And
0: and, and so and you described a little bit about this. in One of the pieces you wrote, uh, these are people who have some means, the, the, and and so they're not just coming there because they're these sad sacks who 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 don't have much money and are are, are desperate for sex. That that that's a stereotype too, correct?
1: Yes, that is a stereotype. Uh, we saw all walks of life, um, a lot of men that I think uh, so. A lot of my clients were older, and I think part of that is because let's let's be honest, college guys, guys in their twenties, sometimes they can't afford a thousand or two thousand an hour. So I like to cater to older gentlemen, older gentlemen rather. Uh, maybe they had lost their wives, their partners, they're lonely. They want someone to cuddle with, someone that reminds them of uh, the fun times they had in their youth. Also, I, a lot of the gentlemen that I saw were on the road a lot. Maybe they had families or, or whatnot that they never saw. There's a lot of them are just really lonely. They're lonely guys. Um, Not all of them. Some, they they don't want to be bothered with a wife or a girlfriend. They're consumed with work. They just want to have some fun. And I'm not here to judge them. You know, I was there to to provide a service, to uh, fulfill whatever fantasies they might have had, and uh, I was generously compensated. And I never did anything I didn't want to do.
0: Meaning, if someone requested some kind of act that you were not comfortable doing, you could just say no. Uh, was that ever a problem? Did did you have to have uh, Dennis Hoff or somebody else intervene in these cases? How did that work?
1: No, I mean, some gentlemen requested things that I just I I don't do, and I would just say I, I don't offer that. And if there was a woman in the house that did offer it, perhaps I would uh, you know say, oh, you should speak to so and so instead. Or a lot of times, to be honest, the negotiation just wouldn't work out. I mean, some guys are not willing to pay that, and that's fine. I get it. So I would say, well, there's four other lovely ladies in the house. Uh, would you like to do another lineup, or would you? Is there anyone else you'd like to speak to? So we try to keep the money in the house. You know, you, you don't want money walking out the door. And while I charge a thousand an hour, another woman might charge five hundred an hour, and she can accommodate him. And so, and and we're generally very respectful of each other's boundaries and rates and whatnot.
0: So, people listening to this, even just for a few minutes so far, can tell that you're a very well-spoken woman. Uh, you're obviously educated. You're about to get a P- get a PhD. Can you tell us something about the other women uh, who were there? W- were-, were they well-educated? W- were what what were their backgrounds like?
1: The everything you could imagine. I mean, there there are other workers there. Uh, I know Ruby Ray just uh, wrote a piece for Nevada Independent. She's working on her master's degree.
0: That's another sex worker. I hope people will go on. She wrote a very mm-hmm. compelling piece. I thought, in some ways, about what her life was like in, in the brothel that's on the site. Go on.
1: Yeah, there's there's women that are well educated, women that are paying off their student debt, women that just they want to buy a house, uh, women that left. Uh, corporate or professional careers and, and just were sick of doing that and wanted something different. And then, um, I mean, of course, there's women that are struggling to get by, came from poverty, um, you know, uh, are trying to feed their kids. So there's it's a very wide range. There's not really a type of woman. But I will say I the stereotype that all the women are disenfranchised and 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 broken by poverty and, and you know, Drug addiction and all that—it's not true. Do you see that in the brothels? Yeah, of course. Because you see that in all walks of life and in all types of employment? But I think people would be very pleasantly surprised to see that it's um, the majority is not that. And you know, I, you know, in being honest, I did see things like women with drug uh, addiction and and issues in the brothel. But I will say they're not, it's not tolerated. You know, for example, uh, I was living in the brothel and uh, there was suspicion of a worker. She would stay up all night. She wasn't sleeping. I mean, it was very obvious to management that she had a problem. And so they did a room search, which we sign off on them. You know, they have the right to do that. If they suspect something, they don't typically do it. But they did a room search for her and they found drugs. She was kicked out right away because this is a licensed legal business. If the sheriff goes in there and finds drugs, they're gonna take Dennis's license, they're gonna be shut down, they don't want that. It's not worth it to have a girl, even if she's making good money, it's not worth it to keep her there and have the place shut down. So issues like that, once they're discovered, are, are taken care of very quickly.
0: So you're on campus now, we're sitting actually on campus now, you're you're, you're finishing up your PhD, you, you told me before we started recording that you're, you're going to go back, uh, I guess this summer or, or at
1: some point. Yes. Um, you enjoy it? I do, I do. Um, much more so than I thought. I mean, I was so nervous my first day. I'll never forget my first lineup. I was shaking, I thought I was going to drop dead. I mean, I like I said, I'd never had sex for money, I'd been in the sex industry, but in a much more, uh, I don't know how to put it, um, you know, being a webcam girl is different than actually meeting a guy in person and, and having con- physical contact for money. So I was nervous and, you know, I mean, it was very easy for me. Um, it was just, and so I don't wanna say, going through the motions sounds so clinical, but in some ways that really is what it becomes. Uh, you have a certain script, um, you have to be charming, you have to be friendly, uh, you want the gentleman or the couple to enjoy themselves. And you know what it is? It's customer service at the end of the day. i worked as a waitress and I had to do similar things, flirt, smile, put the person at ease. I do all those things, I try to give them a a good time for their money. I want them to enjoy themselves. I want them to come back. And uh, the sex is usually a small part of that, though. If a gentleman books two hours, realistically, how long are we having sex? Uh, 20 minutes, if that. I mean, if that. Most of the time, we're hanging out. We're talking at the bar. We're eating. I might give him a massage. Sex is a pretty small part of. But but the it's whole the thing. defining
0: characteristic, isn't it, that people have when they think of people who work in brothels. I mean, the description you gave, charming, wants wants people to enjoy themselves, mm-hmm. wanting them to come back. You could be describing a podcast host, right? right? I mean, but 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 right. the, it's sex that makes it. And, and let me use this word, playing devil's advocate, mm-hmm. dirtier. Right. right? Seemier, uh, unseemly. Uh, it, it's just and there are people probably listening to this now just recoiling. Right. Thinking, right. What is this woman talking about? It sounds like such a sad, pathetic life. Now, obviously, I, I, you know, people can't see you, but you're obviously very well put together. You're smart. You're, you're very comfortable uh, with yourself. It wasn't that way for you. But the people were trying to ban this. Are, it's because of the stigma. It's because right. of the stereotype. I think I just uh, described. And that bothers you, doesn't
1: it? It does, and I think it also depends on how you view sex. I mean, if someone views sex as as dirty and and immoral, then, yeah, they're going to cringe when they think of... Having sex, maybe they they only view it as
0: dirty or immoral if you're selling it, as opposed to you know if you're if you're going to have sex with your wife, you're going to have sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend. uh, That that's not the same as someone saying, "Give me a thousand dollars to have sex with me for an hour or a fraction of an hour, and then you can talk to me." Uh, You know what I mean?
1: It's 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 different to a lot of people, isn't it? It is, and you know what I always say, and I think it was a, a George Carlin skit: "Is why is it illegal?" To charge for something that most people give away for free. So it's very strange to me. You know, it's legal to have sex, it's legal to, to give someone money. Why the criminalization of having sex for money? Um, and it's funny because in my personal life, I'm not promiscuous at all. Like, like the opposite. And this is how most sex workers are that I know. Because I'm used to getting paid so much money for sex, there's no way I'm gonna go just out with some guy for dinner and a couple of drinks and give it up. Why? Uh, now, I don't want to be disparaging to women that do that, right? Because I'm not trying to shame anyone for their sexuality. I'm not asking you
0: that question but, for that reason. I'm just right. wondering what you see as the difference. Yeah.
1: because I, Well, because I've gotten used to getting paid for it, I guess. I, I value myself, my time, my body. If I can make thousands of dollars for it, it doesn't really make sense to do it for free or for a dinner.
0: You know, this is kind of like totally reversing the stereotype in the sense that uh, one of the reasons I think people who are against brothels or against women women don't value their bodies, right? Right. But what you're really saying is you do. I do. And you put a value on it and you charge people for it and then you can go and disappear into a completely different life when you're not in the brothel and conduct yourself like, uh, excuse me for putting it this way, a normal person.
1: Right, right, right. And and people, I'm sure, will be very surprised to hear that I have a very normal, a very boring life outside of the brothel. I have a dog. I even have a boyfriend. I know that's probably shocking. And let me tell you.
0: How does your boyfriend feel about you being, being
1: in the brothel? He... Is pretty accepting. He is accepting, they have I have told him because he's going to oh, yeah. find out now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so with anyone I date, and, and this was went for him as well, I tell them up front what I do. If you're not okay with it, don't waste your time with me. I'm not going to stop doing it for you. This is a big part of my life, so if, if you can't handle it, walk away. So he knew what he was getting himself into. And oh, my God, he's he's Republican. He's from Texas. He's like a good Southern boy. We're very opposite. And he does not love it. I'm not going to lie. He's got some issues with it. But at the end of the day, he loves me. He supports me. He knows it's not forever. I'm sure he'll be ha- very happy when I stop. But he also understands the academic value of what I'm doing and my advocacy. And, and he, you know, I don't know how else to put it other than he puts up with it. And he's pretty good about it. So
0: let's talk a little bit about this uh, idea to ban brothels. There's Mm -hmm. there's now petitions that have been filed in in Lyon and Nye counties. It accounts for about 40% of the brothels uh, in the state. I I sense that there are some – there's different – kinds of reasons for people being behind this. There's religious organizations and pastors who are opposed to it for religious reasons. Then there are people, I think, economic development advocates who say, you know what, that's the old Nevada. The new right. Nevada is, we don't want this, to use your word,
1: stigma uh, a- 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 anymore. Uh, what's your reaction to that? So I think that the whole, the the tech industries and, and the stigma, I think that that's really just a front for their real issues for wanting to ban them. Because here's the thing Lance Gilman, who owns the brothel Mustang Ranch, was responsible for, uh, in large part, bringing Tesla to Northern Nevada.
0: Let me just explain to people who don't know. Yeah. Lance Gilman uh, uh, owns something called the Tahoe Re- Reno Industrial Complex. That's where Tesla is located. It's where this new new big blockchain purchase has been made. There's other high tech companies going in there. Uh, how much he was responsible for bringing them there? I'm I- I'm not so sure. He, Lance is the kind of guy who might say t- uh, he he had more uh, more to do with it than he did. However, he, he was involved in it. It's on it's on his land. He's a brothel owner.
1: Yeah, and that where Tesla is, I believe, is about seven miles from mustang ranch brothel so how big of an issue are they really having with it right so
0: you're saying it's a front for something else what what is their real objection
1: i think because looking at the website looking at these groups they are religious it seems like it's a lot of ideology it's moralistic um and dare i say it's and this is just my opinion i think it's a little politically motivated because dennis hoff is running for senate and i just
0: assembly he's running for the state assembly assembly. it's
1: And I can't help but think that there's some ties to his opponent in this whole thing. And
0: his opponent is James Oscarson, who no one's been able to connect uh, uh, James Oscarson to these moves. There's a lot of speculation, I think, including by Dennis Hoff, who owns some of these brothels, that this is Oscarson's move to do this.
1: Right. And so we can't prove that. But I just suspect because all of a sudden... There's all this stuff coming out, right? And, and people, for years, the brothels have been legal. There's been no problems with them. They donate to the community. Right now, Sagebrush uh, in Lyon County actually is donating, I believe it's 5% of their proceeds to the Boys and Girls Club. 5% is a lot when they're making thousands a day. Uh, the taxes, it's about half a million a year go to Lyon County from the brothel licenses, the work cards. Um, they do a lot for the community, and they've been around for a long time. And so why now? Why now? And, and unfortunately, it would take employment away from – Dennis Hoff alone has over 500 working girls working for him and I believe about 200 support staff.
0: You know, it's interesting. Even before any of this was brought up, uh, I want to read something to people. You wrote in 2014, and okay. uh, uh, in, in in which you talked about why you know why it would be a bad idea to get rid of the brothels. Essentially, L- let me just read this real quickly. I enjoy working in the brothel. I know myself well enough to know that I'm not cut out for independent work. The advertising, the screening, the unfortunate fear of arrest. The brothel provides the comfort of structure and safety without the worries that accompany work in a criminalized system. I believe that decriminalization, or rather, full legal the more accurate way to describe it is the only acceptable answer to the problems created and perpetuated by criminalization. However, I would still choose to work in a brothel rather than independently given the choice, a choice that all workers should have. So there's two there's two arguments in there that I think are interesting from for, for, that will go against the, the petition. One, one is that the people should have a choice, the libertarian argument, why mm-hmm. shouldn't it be legal? And the other is, which I don't think a lot of people think about, is you would argue it's safer to be working in a brothel with all the regulations regulations than to be out on a street uh, where, where, where you're not going to have the same protections, either from potential violence uh, or, or, from, or, or from disease, correct?
1: Oh, you can't even compare. I mean, it, it, look at Vegas right now. The casinos are full of independent sex workers roaming around, going up to random men, getting arrested. There are
0: sex workers in the casinos. Oh, right. right. Are you Shocking. Those today?
1: <laughs> Shocking. And there's been a lot of stings <laughs> lately. Uh, in a brothel, there's security, you're safe. You have support staff. There's panic buttons. You're tested for STIs weekly. It's just a safe environment. It's clean. Um, it, it just the thought of, of being out there independently, advertising on websites, possibly on the street, in the casinos. No security. No STI tests. No mandated condoms. Now, look, I'm for decriminalization, which means that, that workers should be able to work from their homes if they so choose. And that's the libertarian in me. But that's not the system we have right now. And
0: that's, but that would be inherently unsafe, too, for a lot of women, wouldn't it? If it were legal and they were just, you're saying independent sex workers, they weren't, they're weren't, they not working for Dennis Hoff in a brothel, they're out roaming the Strip, that wouldn't be safe, would it?
1: Well, it works well in, in some places like New Zealand, for example. But independent workers, and I know many of them, they do have uh, their own ways to screen clients, uh, to ask for references from other working girls. So there are ways to keep yourself safe. And look, I think you should be able to do what you want with your body. But... Given the choice, I mean, it's just it's safe in the brothel. And so out of the 53 women that I've interviewed, none of them have been raped by a client. None of them have reported that. Uh, I think five of them previously had pimps when they were working independently before they came to the brothels. And I'll never forget the story of one young woman. It was heartbreaking. She told me about this pimp that used to kidnap her, rape her, beat her. She had quotas. He'd put her on the street. I mean, it was like a nightmare, something out of a movie. And she ran away from him and she was up north in Lyon County at one of the brothels doing very well. And women like that, if those brothels close and she goes back home or or from wherever she's from, is she going to be working for that pimp again? Uh, Is she going to be on the street? How is she going to support herself? I mean, these people that want to close down the brothels, they say, oh, we want to save these women. We want to give them other job opportunities. Alice Little, who works up at the Bunny Ranch, last year made $750,000. What job opportunities are they going to provide to us where we can make that much money? Well,
0: what about the issue of, uh, you, you told that nightmare story of the woman with her pimp being Right. raped. How many of these women, are, and I guess I asked you the same question, experienced any kind of violence in the brothels?
1: So I have, so I myself had two incidences where a... Uh, I wouldn't even say gentlemen because they weren't gentlemen. <laughs> they were they were pigs, right? They uh, negotiated for – basically, they wanted to have sex, but they didn't have the money, so they negotiated for something lesser, right? So And then in the act of it, all of a sudden, they pushed to have sex, essentially pushing to rape me because they did not pay for sex. And uh, I said no, and I uh, was able then to uh, – the brothel intervened. And threw these men out, and so I was not raped. I was not hurt. I was did not you push raped.
0: a panic button to get to have to do that, or did, uh, how did that work?
1: Uh, no, both times I, I could have. I very easily could have. The panic button was right next to me, but I didn't want to alarm the whole house. Uh, if it had gotten to that point, then I would have.
0: What about any of these other dozens of women that you've interviewed? Did they have those kinds of uh, so uh, experiences?
1: I, I've heard of just a couple others where they said something very similar. A guy was a little drunk and too grabby, or he wanted more than he paid for, but. In all of those cases, the brothel always intervened. The guy was always immediately thrown out, and and we were protected from actually being harmed. Now, what people don't think about when they want to ban the brothels is that some of these women will go on to work independently. They're not going to want to give up all the money that they're making. Right. And even if it takes a, a transition period to go back to school or to find another job or whatever it is, and they want to make income in the meantime, so they're going to work independently. Now, if that's to happen in their home, there's no security. There's no panic button. There's no one to intervene. They're going to get raped or killed.
0: We have just a few minutes left, Christina. I, I want to ask you about the, one of the things that Jason Guanasso and others have brought up, which is the issue that – and. and conflating sometimes or or creating a link between prostitution and sex trafficking. Um, Have you seen any kind of sex trafficking in in, in your research where you can draw a nexus to to women who are in the brothels who have been victims of sex trafficking or that sex traffickers have tried to recruit women from the brothels? What what about that? That is one of his main arguments for trying to ban brothels.
1: It's ridiculous. There's none. There's no link. Um... Really?
0: I mean, you're you're not just saying that. No, I'm not just saying saying that. that.
1: It would be very unethical for me to say that as a researcher, right? So I'm not just a a worker there. I'm doing my research on this. So I have not seen it. It doesn't exist. Um, Here's what does exist. So let me go back on that a little bit. There have been women, like I said, that previously had pimps. Now, I consider that to be sex trafficking, right? So I I believe a pimp is sex trafficking. Um, Are there women that work there now that have pimps? Yeah, maybe. Probably. I'm I'm not really sure, but I wouldn't be that surprised. And here's the thing. So on the No Little Girls site, there's a woman, Rebecca Charleston, and she talks about how she she says she was trafficked in Dennis's brothels. No
0: Little Girls is, is the opposite is the advocate site for the petition, in case right. people don't know.
1: And and here's why it's misleading what she said. I don't doubt that she had a pimp. I don't doubt that she worked in Dennis's brothels. But she was not sex trafficked through Dennis's brothels. To say that makes it sound like Dennis and her pimp worked together or that the brothels were trafficking her. No, she had an outside pimp and she worked in the brothels and gave that pimp her money. So the brothels do not work with pimps. Uh, it, there's no connection there. They, they wouldn't profit from that. Um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, so if the pimp's getting all the money, what would the brothel get from it? other than the risk of being shut down and having their license taken away. So the brothel does not tolerate girls with pimps working there. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but to conflate the two or to make it sound like it's the brothel's fault is, is just ridiculous. So well, let's wrap this up.
0: Uh, let, let people know, when is this uh, uh, paper going to be published?
1: So I have probably about a year left of writing my dissertation, so it'll be a little bit. Um, I do have some manuscripts and book chapters that are in the pipeline right now that should come out in the next six months or so, but I don't have any firm dates on any of it.
0: So and what 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 about what happens after that? You said you're going to go back and work in the brothel this summer. Yes. After you finished, are you done with the brothel business then? You're 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 going to you're going uh, to keep your promise to your boyfriend and not, <laughs> not be working there anymore?
1: Yeah, um so I'm going there this summer because to be honest, I have a lot of student debt. Uh I want to pay it off. I like many of the women there, I want to pay off my credit card debts. I want to pay off my car. Sounds like you probably
0: made a lot of money there, though. Yeah, no? I, I mean, hope so. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I mean a thousand dollars, seven hundred to twenty five hundred dollars, you're making a
1: lot of money. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to make at least twenty thousand dollars a month there. That's my hope. And I think I can do it. And if I work there for six months to a year, I can pay off a lot of debt. And then I'll be done with my PhD and uh I can go work in academia and You know, I'm thinking perhaps going internationally. I don't know how uh, easy it'll be for me to get a job in academia in this country with the current climate of things and especially all of this uh, sort of anti-sex work hysteria. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I don't have any kids. I can go anywhere I want in the world. And. I'm open to uh, any possibilities that come my way.
0: Well, I really, I really do appreciate your willingness to come on and, and, and uh, present uh, our listeners with a different perspective on this. I wish you the best of luck, Christine. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you coming, for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Indie Matters. I'll be back in a moment to wrap things up. Welcome back to Indie Matters, the podcast of the Nevada Independent. Our podcast interviews are now, as you may already know, on KUNV and 91.5 The Source. That's the university's radio station. Every Thursday evening at 8.30, we're thrilled to have UNLV as our partner on this and many other uh, events. That is all the time we have for this edition of the Indie Matters podcast. We always want to know what you think. If you have ideas, criticism, or even praise, email us at ideas at the nvnd.com. That's ideas at the nvnd.com. Please check out our site if you haven't already. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, the nevadaindependent.com. Rate us on iTunes and subscribe. You can also find us on Google Play. And yes, I finally got us on Stitcher. I want to thank Christina Pereira for being here and presenting her own unique perspective on brothel life. And I also want to thank, as always, our wonderful hosts here at KUNV on the campus of UNLV. And as always, Many thanks to Joey Lovato, our fantastic producer, who makes us all, well, almost all of us, sound podcast smooth. I'm John Ralston. Thanks for listening to Diddy Matters, and we'll talk to you next week.